What's good, everyone? My name is Jacob Moses, and welcome to another episode of the Not Boring Tech Rider, where in each episode, we focus on a different skill that you can learn to enhance your skill set, improve your marketability, diversify your career, and ultimately break the stereotype that technical writing is a boring career. This episode's skill? Contributing to open source projects. An open source project is a software program that's open for anyone to use or modify as they see fit. For example, a developer anywhere in the world could create an open source project that gives users real-time updates on the location of, let's say, city buses. The developer had the idea, coded the software, then released a rough version to the world. It likely has bugs and missing features, but because it's open source, Anyone who's interested in the project can use their expertise to make the project better, including technical writers. As you'll learn in this episode, documentation is essential to a successful open source project. However, for developers actually coding the software, documentation is an afterthought. The result? Possible users don't know what the software does, and even if they do, they struggle to figure out how to use it. This is where technical writers, both new and seasoned, can use their skills not only to contribute to the beauty that is open source projects, but also challenge themselves to learn new types of documentation. To help us unpack this skill, I've got Kyle Taylor, Solutions Architect at FFW and President of a Denton-based nonprofit called TechMill on the podcast, to share with us how technical writers can contribute to open source projects, including how to choose the right project to contribute to, how to translate your contributions into your portfolio, and how to create open source documentation that developers will love. Also, a big shout out and thank you to Knowledge Owl, a wonderful knowledge-based software for powering the Not Boring Tech Writer podcast. And I hope you all enjoy this episode. Kyle, what's good, man? How are you? Doing all right. How about yourself, man? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> How's life in Denton, Texas? Oh, you know, you know, we both just came over here from another uh, bar, and so it was it was kind of chilly today. But um, you know, I think uh, weather's going to pick up a little bit. So, <laughs> so too. Yeah, we're kicking it here at Stoke Denton, one of our local co-working spaces. Late Tuesday evening, chatting tech writing. It's going to be a joy. That's right. I'm excited. Well, Kyle, so happy to have you on the podcast. We got a great skill to cover together today, and that is contributing to open source projects. Um, this is, of course, sometimes more in the development world, but also some great opportunities for tech writers to get involved in it as well. So, Kyle, to get us started, for folk that are new into tech writing, new in this whole tech space, what the heck is an open source project? <laughs> so open source is exactly what the name describes. I mean, um, what it means is that it is any piece of software, not even necessarily software, but um, any type of project that we're able to open up and l- open up and look under the hood of what's going on. So we have access to all of the code, all of the files, all of the um, you know, imports and uh, things that are part of um, you know, a, an app, an application, you know, a software project or whatever it might be. Um, and we're able to not only see 
and look inside what's in there, but usually modify it for our own purposes. So um, there are a number of different licenses that apply to open source software. So whether it's an MIT license, which is a pretty pretty loose license, it's basically like do whatever you want for the most part, um, versus other licenses like GPL, which require that anytime you extend um, a project, uh, for example, say say you wrote something and then you licensed it as GPL, and then I wanted to take the framework that you made and then write things that are extended off of that. By extension, my project is now GPL as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it in the name of open source, like we're still be able to share that code and do whatever we want yeah. with it um, and sell it, you know, as like commercial projects. So. Uh, so yeah, it's basically just like anything we're, we're able to like look at and touch and modify and share with others. Very good. Yeah. And what types of open source projects are there? Does it cover all interests and all <laughs> genres, if you will? Do open source projects usually reserved for um, a couple different interests? What all can people dabble oh. with? Oh, it's it's everything. And honestly, um, there there's a lot of things that you might not realize are open source that you use every single day. Mm. Um, for example, um, the new the new project, so GNU, which is <laughs> a GNU, uh, which is the acronym, um, is kind of like one of the earliest um, organizations in like uh, uh, missions for liberating like software, so um, in open sourcing software. And so um, one of those is the GCC compiler, which is a C compiler, um, which is a type of software that we use to uh, literally build other software. And so this is a free tool that has been around forever that most software you probably use is compiled wow. down, like down from this root, right? Um, so there, there are many layers and there are definitely different categories and in, in industries how they use open source software. Um, one of the, and there are different types, right? So it's not just um, like when we think of an application that's doing something, but also um, things like cryptography are open source. So we know exactly how um, a cryptographic, crypto, cryptographic <laughs> algorithm works, but um, it's not necessarily that it's open source that so we know how it works. It's the keys that we need to make sure are strong enough um, to, to, you know, so they don't break. Um, but yeah, it, it spans... Everything, every industry you can think of is usually using okay. some kind of open source software. Interesting. Yeah. So where does an open project, open source project start? Does it just start with <laughs> someone has an idea and they go in and code it? You, who's usually the originator of these projects? That is right. Yeah, actually, it's usually, um, from my experience and probably a lot of other software de- developers' experience, is that um, the software usually starts whenever... Um, you run into a problem hmm. that, that you're trying to fix, and um, it, you know you, you which we all face. Yeah, we yeah. all face. It's like something is annoying us, right? And so we're like, you know what? No one has yet solved this problem, so we are now going to attempt to solve this problem. Um, and I'm just going to write my own software, and we're going to open source it because if other people have this problem, I want to see if maybe they can help me with it. They can help me improve it. They can help me extend it. They can write documentation around it. Mm -hmm. Um, anything like that. And so that's where, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's usually how most open source software starts. Yeah. Yeah. So someone has an idea, they put in some code, this idea starts to come to fruition to solve this problem. Yeah. Where does the contributing come to play? Where, where does this project exist where it's an open invitation to Jacob and Denton to add this documentation, (laughs) Kyle and, 
Denton <laughs> to add his code. Where does this contribution aspect come into play with open source projects? So most of the time there's got to be a, like an entry point for people to um, like discover these projects. And so most of the time, at least now, it's, it's usually um, on a website called GitHub or Bitbu- Bitbucket or a number of other um, you know, online repositories. SourceForge was a, a really popular one that's been around for a long time, um, but GitHub has kind of taken over um, that space. And so uh, usually the invitation is that um, all projects, for the most part, unless it's a private repository, um, are open source on GitHub. And so you can go on GitHub, search for literally anything you want, um, and find some kind of related project. Mm. Now, when people go to contribute to that project, it's because... Um, more often than not, it's because they find something wrong with it. Like they found a bug in the software or, you know, something wasn't documented correctly. So maybe there's like an installation guide that skipped a step and they're like, oh, like this is broken. So they figured out what was wrong. And they're like, well, we need to make sure that other people who are going to use this from now on don't miss that step. So we need to go back in and like put that step in or we need to go fix this bug that we get on this very specific, you know, uh, steps that we get into. Um, and so that's usually where the contributing part comes in. Someone wants to help fix that project okay. and make it better Interesting. for the future. So this is a good segue into the the skill that we're covering, how tech writers can contribute. How do tech writers currently contribute to open source projects? Is that a thing? Like where is where are our skills needed in open source projects? Oh, man. Let me tell you right now. Where do we fit <laughs> in this, Kyle? We could not have more tech writers contribute to open source projects because most of the time when developers are writing open source projects, I mean, I I'm guilty of this as anyone else is I'm usually focused on the problem. Mm -hmm. I'm focused on, I have this issue I'm trying to solve and I'm heads down in programming, you know, writing my algorithms, writing my API calls, writing my, et cetera. Um, just trying to scrap together things that, that are, addressing my needs, which is this immediate thing uh, that I'm trying to get done. My immediate need is not writing documentation on how to use the mm-hmm. thing that I'm building. Mm-hmm. So so usually um, every project on GitHub, for example, suggests you should have a readme. Every project should have a readme, some kind of basic, <laughs> basic text that is describing what is the name of this project, what does it do, how do we use it, yeah. uh, how do we contact people for support, uh, how do we use the issue queue? You know, things like that. Um, but sometimes we just never get to that point. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, that that is honestly like the first best step to contribute to any project hmm. is contribute to the readme and start contributing to documentation. Interesting. So, yeah, that is there. There cannot be more support oh, okay. in that area. So for the tech writer, though, and start contributing for open source projects, would you recommend that he or she starts with an interest? You know, I search, I'm, I, I enjoy urbanism. Can I search urbanism in GitHub and <laughs> products come up? Or is there a way that I can search for certain projects that need documentation? Yeah. What's so a good I, way to find out yeah, that first so, project? So actually, there, there, you mentioned two different ways and that are both very appropriate. Um, there are oftentimes, so for example, every year... Um, there's this annual, this is a monthly event. I say monthly. It happens once once a month, uh, 
over the year called Hacktoberfest. And so it's every October. And what they'll do is that um, it's a month where we are like celebrating open source and we want people to um, learn how to contribute to projects. And it's it's uh, sponsored by, you know, GitHub and DigitalOcean, which are these tech companies who, who help out with the event. And what we'll do is that um, project maintainers will go into the issue queue or go into like their tags on the project and tag them with, with um, things that they need help with. So for example, we are going to go to our tags. We're going to tag it with Hacktoberfest. We're going to tag it with like um, good first issue, or we're going to tag it as like a documentation issue. Mm-hmm. So you can just go into GitHub and look for issues that are specifically tagged with documentation. Like this is something that we need a tech writer's help with, mm-hmm. right? Okay. To start writing things. You can also go the other way. You can go in interest-based. So um, with your specific example, you could probably go look for something like bike counter, right? And so we're going to go look for software that maybe um, cities or, you know, citizen scientist groups are using. They want to um, count all the bicyclists who are traveling down this path. And they're using this piece of software that's probably connected to some kind of hardware thing. Um, and they might be using it, say, in Boston or New York. But other cities, maybe smaller, more rural cities, uh, want to use that same software, but they might not know how to use it. And so um, you can go look for those interests and, and those types of projects and go, oh, you know what? This documentation doesn't really work very well. Or maybe you can find one of your tech friends and say, hey, does this make any sense to you? And they're like, oh, I, not really. Like, you know, they're missing X, Y, and Z. Um, that might give you more insight into um, what you might be able to contribute to that project. And, oh, okay. you know, just contact the project maintainer. Okay. See what they think. So let's dive more into that. So what's like the GitHub etiquette? So I'm a tech writer. I find a project that... I'd like to contribute to make some documentation. Kyle, can I just dive right in? <laughs> don't even have an avatar yet. I don't know if there's images on GitHub, but just dive in and just start doing what I want in GitHub. Or is there a good way to build rapport with your peers that are contributing to this project? Yeah, you know what? There's there's a couple of ways you can do it. Um, I think it's it's more important before you dive in is make sure you're finding a project that, that interests you enough that um, it's going to you're going to have like a little bit of passion to want to help it, right? Because I think that'll help drive your your interest and your focus on what you're doing. Um, now, how I talked about bad project maintainers like myself who don't always set up the repository correctly, um, there are a couple things you can do to get started. So, for example, one of the, one of the easiest things we can do is um, make it easier for other people to contribute issues. And so what we do is that we, cr- we create... So what's an issue, Kyle? <laughs> an issue is literally, it's like um, a ticket, it's like okay. a support ticket, oh. right? So we're using this, this project or this library. Um, we find a bug and we're like, oh, we found this bug. We need to go document this bug. Now, we can have really bad... We can poorly document these bugs. We can literally just like create an issue that says thing broke on line eight, right? Uh-huh. That doesn't really help uh-uh. the maintainer in any context in any way. Um, so what we can do in the issue queue is that you can go see if these have um, templates, right? Like an issue template. An issue template is literally whenever someone creates a new issue, it's going to say, hey, describe the issue in these four steps. Show, uh, Tell us what operating system you're using. Tell us where the error occurred what you were doing, um, you know, X, Y, and Z, some other metadata about what was happening. So it gives the maintainer more insight um, into what the issue actually is. Because we all know that first example I gave is a really poor way to to document an issue. Um, And you, as any other tech writer would know, um, you know, really context is key when we're trying to describe what's going on. 
So that's a really good entry point to start, um, start contributing. Very good. So what is good documentation for open source projects, Kyle? <laughs> Someone's a brand new tech writer. Cause that's what a lot of the new tech writers I talked to, they don't yeah. really have a portfolio yet. Right. And so open source, you just create that account and start contributing documentation in GitHub. What makes documentation most valuable for developers? You know, I think what makes documentation vi- valuable is um, making sure it's accessible um, and easy to read and coherent um, from section to section, right? Um, I think, I want to say, I heard this on one of your previous episodes, um, there was like a conference called like Read the Docs or... or oh, yeah, Read the right? Docs with yeah. the culture, yeah. Yeah, so, so, you know, I think there's a piece of software that helps you... Um, if you don't have like a documentation guide for your mm-hmm. project, it helps you generate yeah, one, right. like like scaffold it, scaffold it. And so, you know, you can find projects. Now, I'm not saying every project is going to need something that complex or that um, dense in structure. Um, but I think if something gets to a certain point, maybe we need to help that maintainer evolve their documentation a little bit um, into a more structured um read me um, rather than just like a single page with like, yeah. hey, install X, Y, and Z and like let us know if anything breaks, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I think um, that having documentation in that format really helps, um, you know, the future developers who are using that software and helps them organize their thoughts a little more clearly. Mm-hmm. And I think when I talked about setting up those templates, when you provide structure for people to contribute, mm-hmm. it makes them want to contribute, it makes it easy for them to contribute. And then we can take those issues and, and that new information. Yeah. And once we have that, sh- that like scaffolded mm-hmm. documentation structure, we're able to more easily organize those thoughts mm. and those updates um, into those sections. So, so could that be something that a tech writer that wants to contribute to an open source project do? Come in and create these templates? Yes, definitely. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> that can be a way to make a meaningful contribution right away. That's right. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So specifically, if someone wanted to go research this, one of your listeners, yeah. um, these are called GitHub templates. And so you can just go look up GitHub templates. They usually have one um, for how to contribute, one for issues, um, one for pull requests, um, which a pull request is like, um, I found an issue in this library. Um, I want to fix it. And so I'm going to fork the repo. So I'm going to clone it into my own space. I'm going to write a patch for the fix. Then I'm going to submit a pull request back to the original repository, which that pull request is uh, basically describing, here's a change that I made, and I'm going to write some context around it, like a comment, like, this is the bug I found, this is where I found it, okay. this is the issue that happened, and this is how I fixed it. And then it, it notifies the original project maintainer um, that says, hey, someone has fixed this bug, check out this change, and if it's a good change, then you can merge it back into your project Got and it. that bug is fixed, right? Okay. So we can write a template for new oh. people. So people writing pull requests say, um, if we want them to describe that pull request in a specific way, we can do that as well Very in a good. template. I'm making a mental note on that, Kyle. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So are there any existing documentation for open source projects that come to mind that you think are a good example that TechRider can go and look at? That's to get an idea of what good open source documentation looks like? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, <clears throat> there are some that 
I'll mention the ones that I use most often, which some people go look at. Um, one of the m- most popular ones is for a framework called Bootstrap. Um, you can go to boot, getbootstrap.org or getbootstrap.com, one of the two. Um, and they have a very, very verbose documentation. Theirs is probably more because it is a front-end framework, which is all about like styling and themes and like how like making things look pretty. Um, it, it's going to look prettier than most guides. It's going to look more like a website. Okay. Um, but another another tool that my own company created and used is called Doxel, D-O-C-K-S-A-L. Um, and we have one of those like read the doc style documentation guides. Um, but they've done a great job at um, looking at the issues that people are submitting and including those in an FAQ that you oh, can okay. search through to make sure like, oh, I've run into this issue um, we're going to include that issue inside of our documentation cool. so you don't have to dig through tons of the issues that were submitted over yeah. and over again um, to try and find the answer. Yeah. So, yeah. Listeners, I'll make sure to get links to the current sites that Mr. Cal just listed so y'all can check them out for yourselves and find ways to improve your own documentation. Kyle, one of the last questions I want to hit on, a lot of new tech writers that are looking to really start their tech writing portfolio, try to land that first paid gig. Often struggle to do so. You know, maybe they've, they have a blog, which is great, and maybe some, some projects in university, but no, like, kind of concrete examples of doing software documentation. Mm-hmm. Say they act on your advice, they find a project that either needs some documentation or aligns with their interests, they start to knock out some documentation. They create a template. They create a README. Is there a good way to actually take these contributions and compile it into a portfolio? Like, how, how can we? I sit down with my potential future employer. Am I just whipping out my laptop? <laughs> do I have to print out these contributions? I mean, how do I how do I translate the work I did on open source projects into an impressive? portfolio for a potential employer so this is going to sound weird but one of the (laughs) one of the great things about uh github and in these like version tracked um like software projects is that um the narcissism in it is that we credit ourselves with everything that we commit right so whenever we we commit you know a change to a project this is anything that is captured in code which is not just code, but also any documentation, any templates, anything like that, which has to be captured inside of a commit. And that commit is tied to a project, which is also tied to your user profile, which means I can go to your public profile and look at all of your public commits and go, oh, look, Jacob committed an issue template to this, you know, whatever library, uh, X, Y, and Z. Um, also at the same time, while, while that is like the more technical way you yeah. can kind of like, that's like your breadcrumb trail. Um, you can always go look up one thing that you might want to do is that, you know, it's always great for projects to recognize the people who help them create the project for what they are. So adding a contributor section to your document for your, to your docs guide is a great way, not only to, you know, show the people, um, you know, show, uh, credit and, you know. I guess, thankfulness for the people who are contributing to the project, Um, but also as a way to like kind of add a portfolio piece. Like, hey, look at my name on this project that I helped contribute docs to. That's awesome. Um, You know, if they don't have one, as a technical writer, you can suggest one. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So whenever I see, this makes total sense with the whole, your name being associated with all of your commits, 
and actions on GitHub. Is that why I see in people's like Twitter bios, just like their GitHub thing? That's right. That's so interesting. Yeah. It, I feel it, like a fake tech writer sometimes. <laughs> That's something I should know. <laughs> yeah. GitHub is so, like, it's like the modern developer's resume, yeah, you know? So, very good. Yeah. That's a, that's a good note. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. <laughs> Kyle, final question. Tech writer is inspired to get into GitHub, start adding their own documentation, maybe improving some existing documentation. For people who are new to open source or maybe just new tech writers in general, you know, they may feel like a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like, ah, oh, I'm not used to, to working on some of these types of projects. For someone who has the passion for documentation, but maybe not those projects to really amplify their confidence, what would you tell them? You know, I, I think the the first thing you would want to do is, um, especially in this world driven by um, this, what we call version control. So like GitHub is, is a platform for version controlled software projects is becoming more familiar with how these tools work. Even if you're, even if you're like not a developer or have a developer background, if you do have like a lit background or a tech writing background, um, you know, getting more, becoming more aware and using these tools, I think makes you more comfortable with how they work. A lot of people see a terminal window. It's just like a black screen, mm-hmm. white text. And they're like, Oh my God, I'm going to You press enter and nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> or everything happens. Or everything happens. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Um, you know, I, I think um, having some like baseline tech literacy around like developer tools, which GitHub is a great place to start. I think, um, helps you become more in tune with the developer community, you know, and I think that'll um, kind of show you or give you more insight into what a developer's workflow looks like. Um, and it helps you understand like where they're coming from. Yeah. So it helps you get into the mindset of like, what makes a valuable issue? Like what, what, when we talk about the templates, what makes a valuable issue template? What makes a valuable pull request template? What, how can we make, the lives of the people who are making the software easier to continue contributing and making the software better. Um, And so I think, you know, as a new tech writer um, getting into this world, just, just start playing with the software. Don't be afraid of it. Um, And just jump right in. And I think you'll be just fine. In addition to learning by doing, by getting into GitHub, are there any additional resources that come to mind sites that you think would be helpful for a tech writer who wants to enhance their, uh, Digital literacy in relation to <laughs> documentation. Yeah, there's there's definitely a few. Um, I think there are a lot of like intro to Git courses online. Um, there is one. Um, I'm going to mention the GitHub username. I can't remember the actual uh, project, but it's it's by a, a GitHub user called Jlord. J L O R D E, and I'll send you the link link later. Um, but it's a really great like intro to Git. So it's like this is how Git works. Um, there's also a really great site called um, Learn How to Program, which is learnhowtoprogram.com, which is um, a like online free code school by a real code school out of Portland, hmm. um, and they have a really, really great intro course. Like this is how we use a terminal. This is how we use Git, um, and I think those are really great intro tools you can start using to awesome. like get more acquainted with the software. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, Kyle, man, I appreciate you sitting down with me and sharing your wisdom with us. Yeah, it's no been problem. a joy. If any listeners want to connect with you, learn more about the work you're doing, where can people find you online? 
Oh, I'm always on Twitter. So Very good. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Tailored. Um, and that's also my email, so at Gmail. So feel free to hit me up there. Very good. Yeah. Kyle, man, thank you so much. No we'll problem. talk soon. Thank you. Thanks again to Knowledge Owl, a knowledge-based software for powering the podcast. And thanks so much to each of you for listening to the podcast. And we will chat very soon. See ya.